What's up, Nana Nation and lovers of your Toronto Maple Leafs? That's right, Leaf Edition delayed or early, depending on how you look at it. I'm joined by Paul Walker, my bro from Sportsville, and we cut it up on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes, we talk about the trade. We go in deep about the trade. And before I get that angry hate mail, I'm going to tell you this. I know his name is spelt Ryan O'Reilly, but Ryan O'Reilly just sounded like a fun title. So with that being said, on with the show, here we are, Leafs Edition 2023.2, Ryan O'Reilly. Hey, you. <laughs> For everybody on our Patreon. Yeah, Patreon, that's it. Yeah, I don't think I could ever do a Patreon. I feel guilty enough putting this out for free. Imagine making people pay for this. Oh, my God. Oh, we could definitely do a Patreon if we actually, you know, dil- like doled out something that was worth it. But, yeah, That's right true. now, no, no. I mean, who's to say it's not worth it? Because if you fuckers just listened to us, mostly Jesse, two months ago, hey. you would know Ryan O'Reilly is a Toronto Maple Leaf. Let's go! Oh, Bostradamus, let's go. I'm actually so fired <laughs> up. It, it, uh, right. Yeah, we'll, we'll save it. All right, so let's just get into it. You guys know what's going on. Now after 30 podcast, Leaf Edition, in the middle of the season, Season. All-Star break is over. And listen, we took a little bit of time off. This this episode is probably two weeks late or early, depending on what month you're in. But we're going to get into it. Bob, what's good, baby? How are you? I'm doing excellent, buddy. Doing excellent. And you know what? It doesn't even matter that this podcast is being recorded after a loss. Because we beat Montreal, and that's worth three losses to anybody else. So there is still going to be a positive vibe to this episode for the reasons you've also said as well. But I am fired up to be here, buddy. Well, I already got this episode named. Uh, this, this is Leaf Edition uh, 2023.3, Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, I like it. All right. So back in January, we had a prediction over the uh, the the fourteen games that were going to be played in January. But you said that you predicted that the Leafs would go ten and four. I predicted a nine two and three record. The actual record was eight four and two. If we're looking mm-hmm. at points, that's ten points. Uh, I don't know. I don't. January was a weird month. February has been a weird month. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like the Leafs are playing 500 hockey. Uh, you got any hot takes on this, Ba? A lot of positives still. I mean, there's some, we, we talked about the trade. Yeah, I called it, love it. And it's a great addition. <clears throat> and I, I honestly, towards the end, was did not think that O'Reilly was going to become a Leaf at all. I was actually starting to be really into the Patty Kane hype train there at the end. But speaking of the Leafs play, yeah, it's it's not 50-50. It's nothing... To be too concerned about, but there are a couple of issues that are coming up. Now, we're coming off a Chicago loss, Patty Kane, a hat trick. I'm going to kind of throw that up to A, fatigue, B, a goaltender who was thrown in too early. So if anything, I blame the coach for that because he wasn't ready and and two at least two of those goals shouldn't have gone in. You're talking about Samsonoff Samsonoff having the stomach bug. Yeah, Samsonov having the stomach bug. And then also, you, you're still playing a player like Patty Kane. And I mean, the rest of the team is shit. But if he's going to put the puck on his stick and the team on his back, he's going to get a hat trick. Like, he's just able to do that. But we're constantly losing to shitty teams. 
Yeah, we're going to get into that as well, too, because yeah. you hit on a lot of good points that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, my my vibe uh, our loss is is a little disappointed. I, I was in guaranteed win mode, especially, you know, that game of shinny that they played a couple of days before where it looked like the Leafs were just in a scrimmage was to like the local beer team. It was embarrassing. That was a 5-1 Leaf win. And uh, I thought for sure, you know, it would be the same. Uh, little did I remember that these are pro athletes. These guys hold grudges. These guys know what's up. And these guys also also have Russians. And some of them are trying to get off the shit island named the Chicago Blackhawks. So I'm sure those guys want to look good uh, on the biggest and baddest um, team in the world. Uh, so I feel like uh, a bounce back game from the Blackhawks was to be expected, although I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming at all. So. Oh, I, I could have seen it coming. A perfect trap game. And here's the thing. 100% to all the Leaf haters and a couple of our buddies that we know that listen to this. Yes, it is an excuse to some extent. But every team plays their best hockey against the Leafs. Either half your team is from Southern Ontario, unless we've traded for them and currently have them on the roster. That's mm-hmm. nine Southern Ontario folks. The boys are coming home. Either that or you know you're going to get the most media coverage you're ever going to get to show off your talents to get out of a shithole podunk like Arizona or somewhere like that. So every team that plays us, they are going to play to the best of their ability. And the problem with the Leafs is the Leafs play exactly, exactly to their competition. And it's been like this for years. If the team is shit, the Leafs will lower themselves to play against that shitty team, and then we lose. But if we're playing like Tampa Bay, Boston, whatever, oh, you better believe the boys are showing up and it's a great competitive game, win or loss. It's a great game. So it's just no matter who changes in front office, what players or whatever, there are themes with the Toronto Maple Leafs that are consistent. I I totally agree, Bob. Uh, there is something to be said uh, about a team that plays to their competition. And I, it makes me crazy. That Montreal game was the first game. Great game. I, well, I shouldn't say the first game, but I mean, it's the first win against Montreal this year, which, you know, if this was almost any other time, that would be like, okay, yeah, good, good, good on them. But Montreal has been shit for a while. And I'm talking last year too. And yeah, we all know what they did in the playoffs. That's not, or sorry, two years ago, we know what they did in the playoffs. They were a shit team most of the season. And if it was a regular season, season and a stricken season, it would have, they would have not made the playoffs, and yet they go on a run to the cup final. The the point that I'm trying to make is that they finally put the the heel on the neck of the opponent and put their weight on it. Finally, beating up on the Canadians. Yeah, Canadians scored first. Josh Anderson, go fucking figure. That's fine. I'm okay with Josh Anderson scoring in a loss. I'm not okay with Josh Anderson scoring and the Habs winning, the Leafs losing. Not a fan. Yeah. So, well, so so to the Montreal Montreal point, kind of a counter argument to you, but not really because you were a little positive there. That Montreal win was massive. Okay, Montreal versus Toronto is just so different. And even though yeah, we're the better team, they're shit. They have had our number this year, and it it is just a weight that monkey on your back that everybody shows and they throw it off that. Montreal versus Toronto, that is it for each fan base. And it is just a shadow on you. They had our number. The most depressed I've ever been is when we lost that playoff series. So for us to get the new player, for us to be down one nothing to a team that has had our number, that is our rival. And for us to come back and in, be in that dominating fashion, 
That was a fantastic win and, and a real highlight of this season if Chicago doesn't become a trend and they turn it around right now. Like, focus on the Montreal game, not so much the Chicago. This is still early enough that the boys can blame fatigue and, and not being ourselves. Although, I want to save some stuff for buds and duds and a later part, of, later part of the episode, but there are some players that also need to step up huge. One hundo. All right, so let's get into it. I mean, we've kind of beat around the bush a lot about it, but we need to backtrack. We need to backtrack about two months ago to December 2nd. Bob, you and I sitting down for a monthly recap of the Leafs. And you just put this out there. You just float this idea out there. Man, I would really love Ryan O'Reilly. R-O-R, if, if, if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah, but this guy is just a couple seasons removed from uh, Conn Smythe winning. He leads. He's a captain of the St. Louis Blues. Uh, cup winner. Not... Let's not even call him. I don't, we got to call him this. The Bruin killer beats the Bruins single single in game seven to win the Stanley Cup, then gets awarded the Conn Smythe, every kid from Ontario's dream. And when you put that out there, I was like, fuck, man, Ba is way higher than I am right now. Because there's not, <laughs> oh, <a> ch- <laughs> there is not a fucking chance that the Leafs are going to get Ryan O'Reilly. There's not a chance that St. Louis lets him walk. Then a month later, January 3rd, 2023, the first Leaf edition of the year, you go back to it. You're like, man, I, there's some smoke to this. There's some smoke coming up with this Ryan O'Reilly deal. <laughs> and still, I'm thinking to myself, listen, I know I drank a whole bottle of soju and took a shot of tequila and eight hits off the the uh, douche flute. What, what the fuck is Bob going on about? There's no smoke to this. Now, fast forward to just a week ago, not even a week ago. A couple days ago, 72 hours ago, Ryan O'Reilly is a leaf. Not only that, Nolan uh, Achari is a leaf as well. You know, pick up for the fourth line, maybe third line, but probably fourth line. Um, first of all, we all know Ryan O'Reilly. He is the the exact type of hockey player you want going into the playoffs. This isn't second pick. This ain't third pick. No, it's not Timo Meyer. We know. Okay, fine. But they're not the same player. This is a pickup of all pickups. And there's, there is talk I'm hearing. You know, I love Steve Dangle. I feel he, he yells a lot even when he doesn't have to. But I love him, and he knows hockey. And he said this. He puts it on that maybe the biggest trade in almost 20 years. This trade is as big as when the Leafs picked up Brian Leach. Now, listen, Brian Leach, we all kind of laugh about it. But Brian Leach was a through-and-through staple for the New York Rangers. And when they traded Brian Leach, that was insane. He had been their captain for decades, and they traded him. Uh, This is that type of magnitude of a trade. I love the trade. Everybody loves the trade. I haven't heard one person balk at the trade. That's not true. I heard one person balk about the trade saying that they gave up too much. Now, I went back and listened to that podcast, and you said you didn't want to give up a first for him. The least gave up a little bit more than a first, but how are you feeling about it? I don't want to confirm or deny that I'm connected within the league. We'll just leave that to the listeners to interpret it however I would just assume with me, probably. Fantastic trade. I'm totally okay with the first. You know what? Fuck it. I, As long as it's not something crazy, like 
you know, everybody, I, I'm in the camp that I never want to trade knives and I, I want to keep some prospects in, but at this point, I just want to win. I just want to win. I honestly don't give a shit. It's at the point now where the Leafs could win the Stanley cup. And then I could, I could just be good. Like if shit had just happened afterwards and I couldn't watch the team, that's fine. So I'm all in for the win. The trade was amazing. Yeah. Called it little shout here for this guy. I understand the hesitancy from people like my father and a couple of the detractors for the trade. We don't need another centerman. Um, what's he going to do? We're going to pay out that massive money for a third liner. We need a winger. I uh, completely agree with that. And we were in for Patty Kane and Timo Meyer. And I was of the camp that Timo Meyer was way, way, way too expensive. And for them to even take a significant cap hit off Timo, we would have to give up a lot. Like first Sandine, a top prospect like Topi Namela or knives, maybe somebody else. And I thought that was a massive price to pay. But I still had faith in Dubas. Patty Kane, he's a bit of a veteran presence. Even if they tied him in with a guy like Jake McCabe and it was a package or something, yeah, we'll probably lose a, a Sandine or a role player and a top uh, pick and prospect, but I'm willing to do it. O'Reilly, fantastic. Just a fantastic trade. The type of guy that we need. Southern Ontario, just grit. Like you said, a playoff MVP, Bruin killer. He's the type of guy you want in the locker room. And he's also the type of guy that we need. We need that killer mentality. We need when the stakes are down and the pressure from this market is on these young guys' backs that this guy can actually go out there and perform and kind of take some of the spotlight away. And that's what he specializes in as long as he's healthy. So I think it's perfect that we gave up the first-round pick. Nolachari, he's a gritty guy. He is willing to fight anybody. Now, you're going to see a lot of fight highlights, folks. If you check it out, he loses fights. But I don't care. <laughs> He's willing to answer the bell. If somebody's going to go after our guys, he's willing to go in because apparently the refs are never going to call a fucking thing against anybody who goes after bunting. I'll get into that later because that's just an absolute fucking joke. I'm going to get fired mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this trade, <laughs> yeah, this trade is exactly what we need. Um, yeah, you're going to move some wingers around. I still think possibly there might be another trade coming. No, I am not saying Timo Meyer of someone of that vein, but I, I, I definitely don't think Patty Kane either, but I could see us possibly grabbing someone. I'm not sure who, a winger, third liner maybe, but otherwise guys got to step up and we're going to play around with the lines. I, I don't want to mess around with the first line too much, but I mean, you do what you have to with a guy like Ryan O'Reilly because he's fired up to come here. Management went to him, said, we're blowing up the team. Where do you want to go? He went home, talked to his family. They picked Toronto. Like people are picking this team for Let's a reason. Let's go. We are right there, El Jefe. We are right there. And yeah, the haters, the memes, it's full deserved. We can't get Come past get the first nuts, round. Baby. Yeah. You know what? You can say it until we beat it, but we are a good team and guys want to be here and we're getting better. Let's go. You know, and, and I don't want to fret too much on, um, Nolan Achari, because the big like I heard this crazy stat on him, which was it wasn't even a stat. It was his his height and weight. All right, five ten. Automatically, every Leaf fan goes, "Oh, another small player." Five ten in the NHL is like six three in the NBA. So that's not even the big the big big deal. Is he's two hundred and ten pounds on a five eleven frame is some thick boy power. So let's yeah. go throw the weight around, be heavy, make sure it's hard to push you around and fucking grind them gears. Okay. Because Victor Hedman, or I don't even know who else they have on defense on in Tampa right now. Yeah. Um, Victor Hedman, 
yeah, fine, you're six eight or whatever, and you're a Viking god. I get it, but you're gonna have to push this little chunker around, and that's gonna weigh on you, buddy. So S these D's, let's go. All right. Yeah. So you talk about Matthew Nyes. I wanted to mention something that I thought was insanely important to bring up. In Leafland and all franchises, but in Leafland, we always, well, especially this generation. So I was thinking about it the other day. Man, it's gonna be a little bit of a uh, of, of a roller coaster of a, of a comment, Bob. But hang with me. The point is, we're gonna get to Matthew Nyes. We're gonna start with. There are two generations of Leaf fans. There is your dad and my dad, who were the Ballard years and all the shit, like the the Sittler years, which was which were good. The Mike Palmateer years that were okay. Lanny McDonald, all that shit in the seventies, uh, getting into the eighties, and the Ballard years and all that that rough stuff in the eighties of just just horseshit hockey for the Leafs. Um, and then there's everybody post Ballard. We're talking the Gilmore, Clark, Anderchuk. Pat Burns, uh, Pat, Pat Burns, Pat Quinn's that era on. Yeah. Now, I was born in '82, and I don't think I really registered what's going on with my local hockey club until probably '92, maybe '91. But I'll tell you when the Leafs took off, and Doug Gilmore was the fucking squeeze of the town. I was in. Anyways, the point is what I'm trying to get at is. The second generation, oh, no one called that. The the latter generation doesn't really understand the pain that the previous generation had to go through, and we're a little bit more optimistic. And yeah, you know, they burned a lot of they burned a lot of draft picks along the way. We all know about need the possible Niedermeyer, possible uh, Lalongo, Jerome um, Ginla. Hold on, I gotta seize. I'm so sorry, guys. There you go. Bless you. Thank you, sir. So polite, <laughs> folks. That's uh, remember that rule. Luongo, Niedermeyer. Yeah, yeah. So we all know about these blown draft picks. And then in around two thousand and I guess six, seven, eight or so, we had our we had back our first rounder, and we drafted guys like Luke Shen and Najem Najem Kadri and Morgan O'Reilly, Morgan Riley, and Jake Gardner, Stuart and, Percy, Tyler Biggs. Right, but but we we <laughs> ended up getting attached to these draft picks because they're like, oh, they're first, oh, they're first round. I never get first rounders. And fast forward the building years of 2015 and on, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, all these first rounders. I'll even go as far as say Sandine, Lilligren. All these guys are first rounders at least drafted. And they're in the lineup. And that's pretty impressive. Yeah, there's a couple of stumbles on the way, Tyler Biggs, all those guys. Um, I get it that, you know, not all your first rounders are going to hit, but you have some first rounders that have hit, and that's a big win. Getting to Matthew Nyes, I get an NCAA um, player, whatever, um, doing very well in college hockey right now. Blake Wheeler came out with a, a list of top prospects in the league. Do you want to know where Matthew Nyes landed? Top 50 draft picks. Where? Number 42. Oh. Huh. Right? So here's what I'm thinking, my man. I don't think Matthew Nyes is as t- untouchable as we think he is. So I think they're holding Nyes out possibly for a big deal for maybe Mr. Timo Myers. I don't know. I don't want to put it, you know, I want to put it out there because I'm like, hey, this guy may not be as good as we think he is. We think he's really good because he's ours, right? But he may not be as good because we we all, I shouldn't say we all, but 
traditionally NCAA players do all right, but they're not the studs that come out of, you know, the O or the W or anything like that. So mm. I'm curious to see, I'm curious if maybe we just think he's really good and he's not, and maybe he's going to get packaged in another deal because as it stands right now, they have like three picks in the upcoming draft. I think it's a third, a fifth and a sixth. So slim pickings there. And then next year they don't have a third and a fourth. So next year they only have a first and first and a second, or maybe they don't have a second next year. I can't, it's something like that. They have the next two years draft picks are going to be a little thin unless they, they get some back in, in some trades or something. But I don't know my dude. I think there's one more move. I think Matt Nice is going to be part of it. Um, or maybe not, but maybe, maybe, maybe. So I don't, unless so if that's the case, that, that's for someone big. That, that would be for, but here's the other thing, you know, San Jose is going nowhere quick. So I can't, I can't, can't see why they wouldn't eat some of that contract. Um, because the Leafs don't have a ton of cap room. So I'd be curious to see, let me see if I can pull up real quick, but I don't think oh, they have that's, a ton of- quickly. That's what I also forgot too, is a fire up for the Ryan O'Reilly folks. We're only paying him 1.85 this year because of Minnesota took on 25%. And St. Louis took on 50%. So that's also another reason that I'm okay with the first round pick. And I think another trade's coming because of that fantastic deal that we got O'Reilly on. Uh, oh, that I believe there's something else in the pipeline. pipeline. Oh, are you still there? Are we good? Yeah, yeah, still there. Yeah, you froze a bit there. Okay. Sorry. Um, um, no, that's okay. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say uh, when it comes to the roster size, they are 23 for 23 uh, contracts. Uh, they have one contract available out of their 50 that they have available. Their roster size is 23 to 23. Um, for current cap space, now this is with um, uh, obviously Muzzin out. Uh, we have, jeez, um, I can't, uh, I'm trying to look for it, and I'm also trying to close in all these pop-up windows that happen. F my life. Okay, no one needs to see those highlights from uh, that horrible game. Okay, so we have... A handful of guys on injured injury right now. So you have, oh my god, why is this so confusing? Cap friendly, clean up your shit. Come on, bud. This is why we got to blame the technician. That's right, easily. (laughs) All right. Anyways, the point I'm trying to make is, yeah, they have some some guys on injured reserve, but the point I'm trying to make is they have 4.42 available in current cap space. 4 mil, 4.2, 4.42 mil available in cap space. Yeah. So well, they have 6.3 on LTIR, so. Yeah. Well, just quickly back to your nice point, I, I can't necessarily disagree with you that he might not be as good as we think and that he could be a bit overrated. But, you know, the, the problem with today's NHL and the hard cap is we need these guys to work out. Just based on how much they're going to make, we need these entry-level contracts, these eight, 900000 even if they end up being a third-liner. And yeah, you know, I was looking at the NHL uh, prospect uh, ranking the other day, and for the top 100, the Leafs have three guys. Topi Namala is 85 or 82. Nick Robertson is still considered prospect at 62. And then Matthew Nyes is 25. So while our prospect pool isn't necessarily... Uh, the most in-depth we still have those uh the new guy fraser mitten a couple of big giant defensemen from russia 
Like there are some guys that we need to at least be serviceable. We need the Marlies are kicking ass right now. We never really talk to them, but kudos to the Marlies. Every guy's firing up. We just need a pipeline like Tampa and like all these other teams where guys can come in and out of the lineup from our youth development systems and great prospects and picks, and they can fill the third, fourth line so that we have money to spend elsewhere. So yeah, if it's part of a big trade and it makes sense and they're willing to take on a bit of team and we get Timo Meyer at five mil a year and something works out and we've got a sick new winger, that's fantastic. And we give up a prospect. Okay. But we are giving up first round picks and second round picks. And eventually we are going to need some young guys eventually. You know, just looking at the long-term injury reserve right now, there's four players on there totaling almost 12 million bucks. You got Jake Muzzin at 5.6. You have Matt Murray at 4.6. You have Robertson at just under 800K. And then Victor Mete at just under at 750. So yeah. just under 12 million on injury reserve. I mean, not exactly, but you know what I mean. There's a lot of money tied up there. There is room for another big play. That's what I'm trying to get at. And man, do I hope we get, I mean, I wish, man, if, hey, what are you going to think though? It's like a Travis Konechny type, like of deal, or you're, you're, you're in the full on like Timo Meyer, like Patrick, I mean, we're going to get a big name. Okay. So the reason why Pat Kane won't happen is because the difference between Pat Kane and O'Reilly's injuries were Pat Kane needs to surgically repair his hip. Um, so he's on, he's in pain every day. So you're talking about a long playoff run on a guy who's got a fucked up hit. And as someone who's currently dealing with a hip injury, um, who's also three or four years older than him, um, it's not fun. And then on top of that, O'Reilly's coming back from broken foot, not the same thing, right? So the, the, to invest a first into O'Reilly is pretty sweet. I think, I think it's a pretty sweet deal. If you can get O'Reilly or get in O'Reilly because the injury was less severe. So I take O'Reilly over Kane any day. Uh, now, when it comes to a big swing move next, possibly going after Timo Meyer. Uh, who is the other guy? Lafferty, Lafferty, Lafferty out of Chicago. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't call him a, a big play. I'd call him, I guess, an upgrade, but he's probably playing bottom six. I can't That's see him. Yeah, so like, I mean, and honestly, like the bottom six for the Leafs, there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of guys who have played in that bottom six. Like we look at Kerfoot now and Kerfoot for forever has kind of been that number three guy, line guy. He's playing on the fourth line now, making three and a half, right? So I, I, I've been trying to stick up for Kerfoot because I think he adds an element to the team that they don't necessarily have. The guy always has legs. Um, he's always like kind of getting in there. He, he just can't fucking finish most of the time. Almost the majority the of the time, the majority, yeah, almost of the all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We're saying the same thing. Perfoot seems like a really good guy. And that's why you feel guilty about saying something, but Holy fuck for the money he's making. He is underperforming like crazy. And yeah, spoiler alert. He's a dud right now, yeah. uh, but, but on, on the most positive aspect of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. And yeah, in the most positive way, he's just, and you know, it's not his fault. Like, if you're going to offer me three and a half million bucks to play, you're going to take that. And I'm sure on most teams, he's a solid second line option. But on this mm. team, on this depth, he doesn't crack the top six. And is he a good enough bottom six? I mean, is he? Yeah, he's probably, he probably is. 
but the value isn't there. And that's what really hurts is, yeah, he's, he's probably worth three and a half million dollars, but right now the Leafs shouldn't be able to afford three and a half million bucks in their bottom six. If they're doing a cup run, if they're having a cup run, this is going to be pretty hard to justify. Excuse me. I agree. I agree with you, man. And, and he was a guy who's supposed to be one of our, a replacement really for Kadri in a way that Tavares was going to take over the second spot. And I mean, the guy's under 50% faceoff percentage. He's not scoring. So it's a tough time right now for Kerfoot. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Moving along. Um, I, I'm going to call this next segment, the goalie corral, because I feel like this is well, It's true. The first time in uh, nearly three decades that the Leafs have played four different goalies over four games. Um, this is kind of wild. I think it's worth talking about. Sure, there's lots of teams that have more than four goalies playing for them uh, in a season or in a four-game stretch. But um, when we took on Matt Murray, we knew and this was going to be probable. And I think we were all kind of looking forward to it. At least I was. I saw Matt Murray as more of an LTIR move than anything. I thought, yeah, if you can get 20 games and out of those 20 games – uh, 10 to 15 wins, and he's going to spend most of the season on injured, long-term injury reserve, then I might be okay with this. And that's kind of what it's been, and I'm kind of okay with it. What I'm not okay with is Samsonov, Samsonov kind of being hot, red hot, then lukewarm, and then ice cold, all within the same game. Like it's, He is looking too unpredictable for me, and I don't feel comfortable with it. I don't like it. Um, Shogren played a couple games. He looked fine. And Joseph Wall for the season that he's having, I didn't think looked all that great. Um, he did look, he did look better in the Montreal game, but I think the team was riding a, a rocket after having O'Reilly and, uh, Achari added into the lineup. I think they're on a, on quite the buzz. Um, and I would have preferred him, one of them, either Hall or Shogren, sorry, Wall or Shogren playing that game in Chicago and give Samsonov a fucking break. Cause I had that stomach bug. And, uh, he said, quote, I pooped a lot. I would back that up. Uh, I completely agree with you. And I brought that up earlier in the episode that he should have not played. And that's almost a coaching, uh, coaching faux problem pas. that I have. Yeah. Faux pas. So, Folks, get ready, because Samsonov is the guy going forward. That's our playoff goaltender. That's our number one. There are moments, yeah, where he's lukewarm to ice cold, and that was one of the concerns that they had in Washington, that he could kind of fall off the map. But I think he's been really good. I think it's been a positive. And there are a lot of times earlier in the season where our forwards were compensating for the defensive injuries, and everybody was back-checking like crazy and working as a unit together. And they were making some brilliant saves and he was still closing out the games for us, but he was getting a lot of help and the cycle game was a lot better right now. Some forwards aren't really finishing their defensive, um, back check and what they're supposed to do. Some defensemen are kind of just having some ridiculous passes like they normally did last year that are just throwing it right up the fucking boards as fast as they can or straight through the middle. But yeah, Murray, was really, I think they were kind of hoping for a good reclamation project. And it was really a doesn't matter either way because it's one year. We can put him on LTIR. We kind of know the situation. He knows that he's looking for a bounce back, a prove it contract. And we'll give it to him because he's a Leaf fan. 
So I think we were all hoping for the best, but it is what it is. It sucks when a guy's body gives up on him and he just can't do it. And that's unfortunate. I'm sure Matt Murray will go on to play hockey somewhere if he can and he's healthy, but I don't think it's going to be with the Leafs. And then you mentioned it before. Marley's are on a roll. The goaltenders have been amazing. Wall has had a spectacular year since coming back uh, from injury. Shalgren's looked okay. There's another guy, Petruzzelli, who's the other Marley's goaltender. He's been fantastic as well. So you were kind of thinking, okay. Six foot eight or something like that. Yeah. One of them's definitely going to get a, at one point, is going to get a try, especially with Murray and Samsonov's history. I agree with you about Wall's play. I'm really excited for that kid. I want him to do so well because he was kind of – uh, who was the other goalie guy? Ian Scott. They were both drafted around the same time and they were both hyped up as, as that's been an issue. And I've said this to you for years is that our goaltending prospect depth has been woefully bad for a long time. And I've always, I hate it when we go through like the first round, especially, but also the second round and the Leafs never pick a goalie that pisses me off to no end. I just, every year after year, you don't have to do it every year, but fuck once, but I'm glad that the Marlies were playing well. But yeah, Wall looked okay. You were right about the Montreal game. The guys played an amazing game. Chicago, I definitely thought Shalgren should have played that game. I mean, you called that guy up for a reason. Samsonov was still fighting the bug, giving him the chance off. We're coming off the big Montreal win, so you have a ton of uh, positive favor with the fans. Like Even now, nobody's really that upset because we're all just still kind of high from the Montreal win. So it was the perfect time to still give him a rest. But... We're definitely not, I don't see any type of goaltending help coming in. So folks, this, this is going to be it. We're hoping that they're healthy. So yeah, I have to agree. I mean, I don't, I can't see a goalie trade and honestly, like who, who, yeah, exactly. Who are they going to bring in? You know, like no one, that, nothing makes sense. And you're going to tell me you're going to bring in, uh, I don't know, um, whoever the fuck's playing in, in, um, Arizona who, who, or, who or somebody's backup goaltender. Exactly. Yeah, like you know, I I honestly rather go in with with this pairing than um, bring somebody else in. Honestly, I I, 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 I just necessary. All right, moving on. Um, the Leafs being five hundred against non-playoff teams. How much does this worry you? It does. It does worry me. I'm not gonna lie. It does worry me. And the reason is, it's because it almost makes me want to say that they're lacking a real killer instinct, or there's a certain aspect of their game that they're missing. And the only thing holding me back from truly saying that as a Leaf fan is because they show it when we, like I said, we play Boston, Tampa. We play games where I have a lot more emotion riding on the game and they come out and perform. So our, our wins are huge. I'm, I'm fired up. We're texting each other. We're just like, let's fucking go because, you know, we can't stand Boston. And they show up. But then you just now at this point, like I always bring up the guys that work around the water cooler talk. But if we're playing Arizona or we're playing, I don't know, just whatever shit team Ottawa. It's like, oh, trap game, trap game. We're all making the joke, trying to kind of relieve the pressure through humor. Well, we all know it's there in the air that the boys are possibly going to play down, like we said. And it's happening a lot. And the big thing, yeah, some people are going to say it's okay. Those teams don't make the playoffs. You don't have to worry about that. They play well against the other teams. But you know what? We're dropping important points. Like We really are dropping important points. And if this affects you know, home ice advantage or who we're going to play in the playoffs for an easier matchup, even though we're basically playing Tampa. We all know that we're, we're fucked either way. Yeah. We're fucked either way, but, but we're dropping massive points and just, and just morale. Like you guys, good teams put this shit away. 
And yeah, I remember the years before Matthew, even before the terrible Peter Horacek, that was just a complete, we're selling and burning the farm for Matthews, that even when the Leafs were shit, we'd still beat Ovi's Washington on their Stanley Cup run, and we'd still be good teams. Like That's the beauty of sports. Anything can happen on any given night, but not consistently. That's the difference between great teams. So while I'm not in total freakout because we are a good team, we're in a good spot. We're clearly going to make the playoffs, and a bunch of guys have stepped up this year, like Willie Tavares. It's there is concern. Uh, what about you? Yeah, at the end of the day, uh, it actually pains me a whole bunch. And mm-hmm. you, you're exactly right. Nothing's given in pro sports. Sports. Um, ask any football fan about that. But I think at the end of the day. You need, like, not you, but the Leafs need them wins. So it's not it's not about, oh, we're playing the lonely Chicago Blackhawks, who are my uh, fake win the Connor Bernard sweepstakes, for the record. Um, oh, we're playing the lonely Blackhawks. This should be a breeze. No, it should be, we're playing the Blackhawks. We think Willie can get to 50 goals this year. We're going to get him a Hattie tonight. Maddie will get one. Yeah. The new guy will get one. The other new guy will get one. And maybe we'll get a goalie goal. Like, I want that mentality. I don't want, like, ah, whatever, you know, fucking B game, whatever. We'll see what happens. It pains me to be 500. Like, I know I know it's technically not 500, but you're 5-5-2 five, five, and two against non-playoff teams. When easily, if you were 8-3, eight, eight and three, I think I'd be okay. If you were seven and four or seven, whatever, eight, eight and four, I'd be okay with that. But to be 500 against bad teams is not good. And it's just, it's like muscle memory. The muscle memory should be, we're going to go in there and we're going to play our style and we're going to expose these guys like they did to the Blackhawks a week ago. It looked like a shiny game. I basically mm-hmm. didn't watch the second half of the game. Now... Yeah. Chicago comes back and they have the same mentality and Chicago, mainly Patty Kane said, watch this. You know how I know you guys are ready to win a cup? Watch this. I'm doing this with basically half a hip and he lights up three goals and you know what? Not, not fucking grinder goals. Fucking sniper goals. Fucking real goals. That one that he banked off of Samsonov, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Come on. Yeah, how? I agree. Yeah. How? Okay, the snipes were one thing. The snipes are tough to beat, and you're talking about one of maybe the all-time best puck handlers in the in the game. Um, he's gonna snipe and beat you, but you're letting him score from behind the fucking net on a bank shot off your Russian ass. I don't fucking think so. Not good. Not good. So I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I just wish. I mean, we'll find out in a couple months at the end of the year, what is the record against non-playoff teams? Because I'd be curious to see if it's still 500, if it creeps up to like a 750 win percentage. I don't know what, what the answer is. It just can't be this. It can't be this. You, you have left, uh, what is that? 10, 11, 12. You left 12 points on the board by not beating these teams. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. So moving on, here's a quote before we get into studs and duds or any other points you want to bring up. Uh, I said studs and duds, but I really mean buds and duds. Um, <laughs> Dubis had a quote in the presser for the um, O'Reilly and Achardi uh, deal. And he said, I just feel like the team earned it. Um, dear Kyle, 
Hi, it's Anthony. I have a longtime friend. What fucking team are you watching? Because I don't see, yes, this team's better than last year's team on different accounts for the fact that we have a hands down better goaltender than last year. Um, Better rounded team, a team that looks more focused. But did they earn it? Did they earn it? I don't know. Because you suck against non-playoff teams. You've you played Boston really well one game, one game and okay the second game and not very good the third game. You know, you're losing to Arizona twice. Losing to fucking Arizona and that fucking mullet arena. Come on. Did they earn it or is your job on the line? Did they earn it or are you starting to panic? Did they earn it or are you worried that they're, they're just going to clean house? Shanna plan's gone. You're gone. Um, salary cap dude's gone. Like, all these fucks are gone. And they're going to bring in fucking some old school person or some old school mentality. He's going to look at a guy and not look at the numbers and say, oh, yeah, that guy's a good hockey guy. We'll put him in the lineup. And then we're fucking back in 2006. And we got fucking Nick Antropov and Nikolai Ponikorovsky on the wings. On their top fucking line. They couldn't play a third line anywhere else in the league. I, you know what? I, I, that, that's going to be the hard part for me. Hard part for me is, did he mean what he said he meant, or is he saying that because he's panicking that may- maybe to be his job's on the line? Uh, By the I way, mean, Soju's amazing. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I mean, if we lose another first playoff round and we don't get out, then everything's off the table. Like it doesn't matter at that point. I don't care. But the truth is, I really do hope that Dubis is resigned. Like, I think a lot of fans don't appreciate the actual stability we have within this organization right now. And it's the players underperforming. Because for me, Dubis, yeah, there have been some issues with contracts with the salary cap. But I blame the NHL more. And he's, he's done what he can. It's the guys who have whatever superstition, whatever curse is on them that they can't beat this first round. It's time to be a fucking man and get over that. So I hope that Dubis is resigned for the simple fact that you know what? Give him a three-year contract. You go to Matthews. You tell him, yeah, the guy who drafted you, who you love, like a, like a dad, you know, he's going to still be here, re-sign with us. Even if Dubis doesn't last the entire three-year, the stability's great. I, I still like Shanahan. I mean, we're praising the O'Reilly trade. We've, we praised the Felino trade before. Giordano's a beauty. Spets is a leaf legend. There are lots of positives. Yes, there are negatives. But there are lots of positives right now that I hope his job's not on the line. And, and, and this is a guy who I'm now all that being said, like if we lose first round again with O'Reilly, then I don't it, what, then whatever, like fuck everything, honestly, <laughs> easily. Now, yeah. <laughs> everything that I've seen, read, feel is that uh, Kyle Dubas is one of the kindest GMs you're ever going to play for. Um, you can tell that he is, he cares about his players uh, and he's not going to put people in a position to fail. Um, you saw that with the trade to Colorado last year um, when they sent, uh, who's that kid, the second-gen kid, um, uh, Lettinen, when they sent him because he couldn't, they didn't have a spot for him. I liked him a whole bunch. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, they sent him to Colorado. I don't know if he was on the cup-winning team or not. I think he was. But the bottom line is uh, when you see stuff like that and you see the reasoning behind it, you know that Kyle Dubas is a special person. And, I, and you know, this isn't meant to be a big blowjob to him. Uh, although 
if you want, Kyle. Um, but at the end of the day, I really like Kyle Dubas, and I think he's a great guy. I think he's a great GM. I, I just need, and again, maybe he's getting skirmish. Maybe there's just something in him that says, you know, we got to make these, we got to make some big deals right now. Um, so I, I want him to stay too. And I think if, I think if he resigns again, it will be a five-year deal. I, I don't think they'll give him three years because Shannon just got a new deal. And I think he got, he got five years. I would imagine Dubas is going to get five years as well. Uh, and also like the team has never been better under any other GM, GM when it comes to, of course, season stats and, he is building this team, right? Like, like the, every year, this team has gotten progressively better. Unfortunately, the same outcome. Unfortunately, when you go up against absolute monsters, yes. But he's put together some some of the greatest Leaf teams. Actually, like regular season-wise, the greatest Leaf team in history, right? He's he's stocked the cupboards with decent prospects who are maturing, like. We, we talked about some of the prospects already, but we, we forgot to mention guys like Peter Envall, who was like a seventh round pick, who is now like a $2 million player in the league, who say what you want about him. He's a re- he's an everyday player on one of the best teams in the league. Um, Pontus Holmberg, another guy, like another seventh round pick, a guy who's maybe not regular in the lineup, but he's cracking the team. You know, like a lot of his picks are hitting and I guess the ones he sent out the door is it is what it is, but it's not like Kyle Dubas is doing a bad job. So I feel like Dubas has earned another crack at this. Um, but again, if it's another uh, first round knockout, uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be real hard to digest. Yeah, I mean, if you just don't get past the first round, then it, it doesn't fucking matter. Resign even resigning Matt. Like if if Matt, if we don't make it past the first round in the next two years when Matthew's contract up. I'm saying this as Matthews being probably the best Leaf player at all time. I don't care that he resigns. Obviously, that will change in the moment, and we'll be doing the podcast, and I'll be like, yeah, he better fucking resign. I love that guy. I bought his jersey, and I'll be praising it. Yes. Throw this episode right back in my face. But at that point, it doesn't matter, because honestly, throw out the whole team and give us two years of rebuilding, because at that point, at least bring in some new guys who, you know, we have a different aspect of the team, a physical aspect. We're we're a different uh, personality, but for right now, you're right. One of the best regular season teams, second in my mind comparatively to the Pat Quinn era when we had Roberts, New and Dyke, Sundin. Like that's just the best right. team in my mind. We were dominant. Went to the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I truly believe with this team, if they go past the first round, we can easily make the third round. Like there, it's going to be. It's like Winnipeg. It's like Edmonton. I think if these guys. <laughs> like the amount of honking and screaming and people freaking out in this area just from a first round win like these guys will see how big it is and they'll move it on but we need to break that curse or none of this matters 100 percent. all right let's move on let's get into the buds and duds yeah one day one day we'll just interlude to this all right where do you want to start my man um what you want to do buds first let's go buds okay uh, I'll start it off then, and just to kind of throw it in your face, first bud is Kyle Dubas. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, Dub- well done. Yeah. Dubas is going to get the win here for that Ryan O'Reilly trade. Yes, I know I said I didn't want to give up a first, but we got Ryan O'Reilly at $1.85 million. Whether he plays the wing or center, folks, the Toronto Maple Leafs, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Ryan O'Reilly are your top three centers heading into the playoffs. That's not too bad. 
That's not too bad. Chef kiss. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. Mine, uh, Mitch Marner, fresh off his all-star game appearance. You you know, he's just having a a great season. I want to put it out there. I think I might have mentioned last pod, but if I didn't, this guy should be getting MVP votes because, uh, easily he's been outside of, uh, maybe Willie Nylander. Uh, he's been the Leafs best player. I know he had a very slow start, but he picked it up quite a bit. Of course, the point streak, the point-breaking streak, uh, all huge um, feathers in the cap. But uh, I think Mitch Barner is having a brilliant, magnificent season, and I wish him all the all the luck moving forward because the boy's going to need it. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Magic Mitt is playing unreal. He was almost in the dud category for that fucking all-star shenanigans that he put on with the Miami Vice suit and going out. Just so cringe for me, but I'm glad the kids love it. Uh, but actually, my next one. <laughs> that whole thing was a mess. That whole, the whole ter- all-star every, game. Oh, every oh. all-star game is terrible. Every all-star game is terrible. It's for the kids, though. But yeah. folks, my next bud, El Jefe just said the guy's name. Toronto Maple Leafs leading goal scorer, the first guy to get over 30 goals in this season. I'm talking about Willie Styles, Willie Nylander, 31 beep, 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 goals, 35 assists. Up. Yeah, 31 goals, 35 assists for a combined total of Mary Lemieux points, 66. This Ooh. guy is buzzing. He is on another level. He knows his contract's up in the next couple of years, and he's looking to get paid. I'm hoping it's still with the Leafs because – Willie now has a little bit of that man strength that you get from just progressively getting older. He's not taking shit from anybody, and he is finding the top of the net from angles I want him to find it from. Willie, you are the top bud, buddy. All right. We, I match you with that one. I had him in there as well. It was, it was actually a toss-up between him and Mitch. Um, Willie having the season that he's having, God bless. It's about fucking time, Will. Will, yeah. can I call you Will? You definitely can. My man. You are having the season that we all knew you were going to have. You are living the prophecy, my man. <laughs> Just keep fucking rolling. Don't look back. Don't get those old fucking habits. Don't take games off. Don't take fucking, don't hit the blue line and stop skating. My man, just keep doing it and doing it and doing it well. Please. Doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. All right. Who you got okay, number now, three? That's you. You're next, buddy. I just want Willie. Oh, you okay. just kept praising him for me. <laughs> I wait. wait so Willie's you, your third. So you. No, that was number two. You've okay. done one. I've done two. No, I did. I've done two as well. Because I did. Do? I did Willie. I did Mitch first. Oh, and oh, and then Willie. That's okay, why I said so, it was a oh, double up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, got yeah. It. okay. So third, finally, <laughs> we're drinking, folks. Remember that. Third and final <laughs> bud, right now, Captain Mo Morgan Riley. Congratulations on the four hundred points. I love it when uh, Leaf players hit milestones for an organization over 100 years. I believe he's only the fifth defenseman to get over 400 points with this organization. Mo, I love you. You were my runner-up to get the C when it was up for debate. And you signed that team-friendly contract, reasonable. Yeah, you have some down moments. Defensively, you make some passes that are a little here or there, but I have loved you since day one in 2012, so you are a bud, and congrats, Mo. Okay, well, uh, definitely not a double up on this one. I'm going on with the new guy, Mr. ROR. That's right, oh. Ryan O'Reilly. And I'm going to uh, say it here on the pod. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. Ron O'Reilly signs a two-year deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Average AVVA 
or whatever it is at 5.5 milo. Uh, I got a feeling. I got a feeling. I would love it. Yeah, I, I, I think I think he is going to catch lightning in a bottle here. You're going to have Doug Gilmore 2.0. You're going to have a guy who can grind, score, look good jeans do everything squat he got them baby blues i'm in let's go ror replace replace kerfoot with o'reilly let's go dude <laughs> listen <laughs> i mean I'm, kerfoot is gone after this season there's no way he comes back there's no way yeah. um so and 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 who knows if he's even on the team by the time the playoffs start but you look at him hall um someone else is off the books that has has a juicy contract there's money there for ryan o'reilly I, I don't I don't see why he wouldn't want to stay, especially if something great happens this season. All right, let's move over to bids. Um, duds, duds, duds. Uh, this is this is your Trump Maple Leaf player who just ain't doing so good. Uh, ba, keep the ball rolling. We got your first dud. Yeah, and I I want to put an asterisk beside this guy because I don't want him to get too down, and I'm not too negative, but I couldn't put him in the bud. I got Austin Matthews right now, El Jefe. Ooh, wow. wow. Yeah, it might be listen, one of his first first duds of all time. I think so. And yeah, you know what? He's still Maddie and he's still playing well and his defensive game's definitely picked up. But he hasn't necessarily been the same since the injury. I think he could potentially even be still injury a, a bit hurt. But he's missing the net on shots he never used to. Uh, he's kind of just at the end of the game, a little lackadaisical, especially if we're down one or two, there's not that extra effort. And I always, it just doesn't matter. I want to see that from every player. I mean, these aren't, you know, big issues right now because the team is still somewhat rolling and he can still have time to pick it up and we got to get ready for the new, uh, lineup changes and, you know, get that chemistry. But I just feel like coming off the season that he did, you know, maybe, we, I mean, we were biased, hoping that he did it back to back, and we all believe that he can. But it is somewhat of a drop off that he's had this year, uh, goal total, point total. So I just need Matthews to pick it up because he is our best player, and him, McKinnon, Crosby, Ovi, like when it gets to crunch time, playoff time, they're the ones that need to step up the most. You're right. Um, I'm shocked by that one, uh, but all your points are really valid, and I agree. I, I don't know if he's still hurt or he's running his rhythm, but. Um, my first dud is uh, Justin Hall after uh, last week's games, especially that game. What was it against? Uh, 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 what, was, what was the loss before the Montreal game where then Timmins came in the next game and just took the job? the Columbus loss? The Columbus loss, yeah. Where Justin Hall looked like, like he was, I don't know, playing Timbit hockey. I don't, he just seemed so out of place. He seemed like two steps behind the whole play. And if he wasn't such a big guy, he probably would have looked a lot worse. Because at least if you're a big guy, you have a little bit more to work with when it comes to seconds to do something. Yeah. Um, I I am just not impressed, and I don't know what I don't know if it's just the middle of the season lulls. I don't know if it's the the rotating D men in and out. I don't know what it is. Justin Hall, we were singing his praise, we were singing him and George Giordano's praise. Um, but honestly, Gio takes a fucking bunch of penalties, um, and Justin Hall just isn't looking very good. And I don't know if there is, um, I don't know if there's much room for him. The way that Connor uh, Timmons is playing, and with the fact that Jordy Ben needs to get back in the lineup, yeah. and who who knows what happens if Victor Mekte actually uh, has a role on this team that isn't 
when an injury happens. Yeah, so I don't know. I just I just feel like Justin Hall is going to be the odd man out. But he also has these moments, these flashes of stability. And I don't want to say greatness, but I'm going to say okayness. Where I'm like, yeah, you know, he, he he's he's okay a guy. serviceable NHLer. Yeah, right. He you know he's not he's not Marinson, right? He's better than Matt Marinson. Is that a name? Matt Marinson. Martin Marinson. Martin Marinson. Close enough. Yeah. Mm. Dud Dose, what's up? Okay, we've already mentioned him a bunch, so I'm just going to keep the train going. We're talking Kerfoot. Mm-hmm. Listen, here's the truth. I mean, he's supposed to be the third line center at what he's getting paid. He's got seven goals on the season. He's at 42% at the faceoff and now making over three mil. He's currently on our fourth line and there's no real rush to get him back up. Yeah. He has a couple of games here or there. He's had two, two goal games, but if anything, that makes it even worse because he's only at seven goals. So he's basically had what four or five decent games that he's having offensive production. Yeah. He has 26 point totals, but I I'm sorry to say this. You need to step it up, especially for the money. Like, We've said Angval, we've said a couple of other guys' names who are making a million or two less than you, who are making way more production. Like Yarkrock, I really enjoy him on the team. Like they're just guys. Sorry to say, Kerfoot, if, if you want a spot on this team, even if you take a cut to stay with the guys and you're just at like a mill or whatever, it's like some you need to pick it up. Fair. Uh my dud dose is uh no more than one of your studs, but uh Morgan Riley. Uh, you know, man, Morgan Riley and me are like neighbors (laughs) and follow me on this analogy here. Okay. Um, I like him, you know, when I, when I barely see him, I like him when, you know, things are good. I like him when we're having a great tiki party and he brings a cool drink. Uh, but when he fucking double parks in front of my driveway, I fucking lose my shit. Morgan Riley has flashes of Jake Gardner all over him. And this is what I mean by that. This guy skates like the wind. He is a fucking fantastic skater. You can't take his skating ability away from him. He's got bursts of speed. He's he's married Canadian Olympic royalty. But what throws me off with Morgan Riley is maybe he's still hurt. Because I just feel like he does not look comfortable with the puck. And he barely looks comfortable with the puck. There's times I watch him with a puck, and there might be a player 12, 12 feet away from him maybe. And it looks like, okay, I've, I've identified my target I want to hit. And there's somebody coming in, they're 12 feet away. They're 11 feet away, 10 feet away. I'm still looking at my target. I still haven't passed, though. And my target is now three feet away from me. Oh, my God, my target got the, the, the pass away from me. And now I'm first. Uh, trying to get as fast as I can to catch up with this guy who's now taking the puck off me. This happens 10 times a game. His turnover rate must be insane. I wish I knew how to use a computer so I could figure that out. (laughs) I just feel like Morgan Riley, he has these great games and these great moments as a Leaf. And then he's got fucking shit moments where I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Why? You should be better than this. You just signed an eight-year deal. That is okay. I mean, you're, you're, listen, he is on most teams in the league, he is a number one defenseman or whatever, first line defenseman. But there is these mental cracks or lack of judgment where I'm just like, what the fuck? This shouldn't be happening by your caliber of player. 
Yeah, I, there there are definitely some mental lapses with Morgan Riley, and and honestly, it almost makes because we never give him praise. It's almost a quick shout out to TJ Brody as well because he is just quietly, like you said, out of sight, out of mind. Like there are times where he's sprawled out making saves with his stick or or just breaking up two on ones. Where yeah, I, I wish Mo was definitely more like that, especially with the eight year contract. But I mean, really, I was praising him for the milestone. But, yeah, just completely take the fucking wind out of the sails there. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. All right. (laughs) Let's finish off these duds. Who do you have in your third place for the duds? Yeah, no problem. My final dud. And, uh, folks, I hope the kids are in bed right now because I'm going to talk about the fucking joke that's the fucking referees of the NHL, specifically when it comes to Michael Bunting. Folks, I don't know if he just because he has the pest reputation and once you get that in the NHL, it seems that anybody can do anything to you, but it's an absolute joke clown league. When Bunting is getting punched in the face, he's getting tripped, he's getting slashed in front of the referee. He's showing them blood and nothing's getting called. How many fucking times does this have to happen? Yeah, I get it. Okay. Bunting embellishes. He plays a game that pisses everyone off. That's why every single game we play, the team's attacking him. But guess what? A penalty is a fucking penalty, and you call it regardless. I don't give a shit. Uh, so, oh, I'm telling you, sometimes I wish some of these refs got Bertuzzi'd. Just <laughs> come up behind, sucky him in the side of the face, ride his body into the ground. Just wow. I'm a simple man, simple pleasures. I have no strong feelings one way or the other, but Bertuzzi'd into the ice. You know, I uh, I like that take, and I and you're you're not wrong. You're 100 correct. Um, my take is similar to your take. My third place dud is Michael Bunting, the uh, aforementioned Michael Bun uh, Michael Bunting. Very good, sir. Here, you know, here's where I feel like it fell. I mean, he's been better last two games, but here's where I think it fell off the tracks a little bit uh, for Michael Bunting. Wasn't it a referee that kind of like pushed him off the ice surface and then yep. like into the, yeah, I feel like yeah. he's. I think he, he got really butthurt by that, and then he's like, "Okay, this is a, this is what's going on, bitch. Okay, let's go. All right, let's go. We're gonna go. Let's go. Okay, fine." Um, and I honestly think that after, <laughs> I think after that, he got he got distracted from the game that he was very good at playing, which was, you know, grinder, uh, antagonist, but also, like, somewhat cool under pressure. And yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Talk shit all game, and you're gonna you're gonna get affected by it. But that's his game. There was the penalties weren't getting called, and instead of him being trying to be smarter in the play, he let it really get to him and affect him. And the all-time best rat, the best rat is Brad Marchand, no doubt. No one can argue. The thing that Marchand does is he's got a lot of skill to back it up. He is one hell of a player, and from what I've heard, one hell of a nice guy. But you he play can against fuck off. <laughs> he can't fuck off for sure. But Brad Marchand gets calls because he gets slew foot all the time, cross checked all these things, they kick in the face, all these things. But the guy gets calls. So like, what is the difference? Everyone knows he's a rat. Because the league's a boss, the league's a boss and suck off, and their owner sucks off the NHL in return. And we're run by a corporation, so as long as we wear the right stuff and say the right things, then we're good because the money's flowing. So Boston can go fuck themselves with that Marshawn analogy. And here you go, counterpoint to your argument here with the whole bunting and the referee thing. 
He's not the one with the gay list. The fucking referee's the one with the gay list. Because when he pushed Bunting and he got freaked out, here's the thing about the referees. They are some of the biggest cowards with the thinnest fucking skin in the league. And the referee was probably embarrassed being like, oh, man, like, I don't care that I pushed him. Now he's going to say something to the media and show me up. I can't let that happen. He got on the phone with his little referee buddy. He's like, yeah, can I talk to the head of the referee union? I'm like, yeah, man, we'll put you through. No problem. And he's like, yeah, uh, listen, I pushed Bunting like a little bitch, but he's going to come out and say that it was a bad thing. Can you back me up to like, yeah, no problem. We'll put out the bad signal. No problem. Put it out. Tell everybody, you know what? Bunting's on the fucking list. No calls. Go after him. It's free real estate. And that's kind of what happens. That's my theory anyway. Okay, fine. But listen, <laughs> even with all this happening, Bunting can't be taking three penalties in back-to-back-to-back games. Like he can't. He can't yeah. be taking as many penalties. I get but it. But he's also two goals and a plus two. And then the game before that, one assist for a plus two. Like playing close to 20 minutes and being taken off the first line where he's been mostly the entire time playing with the best t- player in the league. I get what you're saying. Yeah. But there are other parts. You know, he, he really is a jackal and hide player. But like I said, when I started off, he has been playing better recently. And maybe maybe he's refocused a little bit. A little bit. He understands like, hey, man, like I'm, I'm a little playing a little too selfishly, selfishly. But I think for the most part, Mike Bunting, yeah, he's turning around. But for the last six weeks, he's been a dud for me. Yeah. So folks listening, kind of the too long didn't read. Al Jefe and I both agree it's the refs. Okay. Yeah, hands good down, the refs are the worst. Good, good segment. All right, Ba. We got a nice stretch of games going on. Yep. We got this is going to come out the uh, morning of the Tuesday night game against the evil Buffalo Sabres. I don't know which Ugh. way it's going to go. Buffalo is such a weird team. They're gonna good and they're them. not good. Overrated. Overrated. Tage Thompson's probably going to score six goals. Who knows? He is good. Tage Thompson is. Is good. He's like he's era, the new league type player. Big skill, fast. Yeah, I love all these Buffalo fans coming to me and 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 shit talking, especially I guess my boss. I really only know two Buffalo fans, but as if talking about these long-term contracts for their players are just like some great just like foresight that it's amazing to lock these guys up. But somehow us, Marner and Matthews, the ones producing, it's amazing. But yeah, all these eight by eights, eight by sevens for these third, second liners. Way to go, Buffalo. Good job. Just remember that that goal was good, and Dallas deserved the cup. <laughs> <laughs> it still hurts. It still hurts 24 years later. Yeah. Oh, Ba, always a pleasure. This has been a little bit of a long one, but it was due because, because we were weeks late slash two weeks early. So this is kind of a middle-of-the-pack one. We'll probably come back and do another one in, a, in just like two short weeks. But I was going to say we should try to get one. Because the uh, trade deadline is... Yeah, you know what? We'll get right back on track with this. This one came out a little bit late. It's kind of been crazy for both of us. So uh, with that being said, the XFL season is on its way. Ba and I both got wins in our first week. It's going to be a crash course, baby. The Roughnecks and Battlehawks, unfinished business. Let's go. Yep, uh, folks. And I know a ton of you, probably maybe only one of you watched the XFL. But for everybody who doesn't, just always remember one thing. My Roughnecks are undefeated since 2020. That's right. That's right. I brought that to your attention the other day. Not that you didn't know, but I did no. post that in our group. Um, it should be posted daily. You know what? It's it's going to be an interesting season. It, it was, you know, the first week of the games. And I, and listen, I watched, I watched a couple of the games, not all the games, all the whole time, because it's still football. I still have a hard time watching it. But I'll tell you this about the XFL that I really enjoyed. The game was quick. 
there is no blinking in these games because there's none of that fucking 95 reviews and all that other shit that the NFL does. Um, it's a quick moving game, and it was very enjoyable to watch. And my Battle Hawks were down by nine points with less than two minutes in the game and ended up winning the fucking game because the XFL is awesome where you can get nine points in your last drive of the game and win the game. Let's Let's. go. Let's go folks. And we'll leave you with this. You should become an XFL fan, XFL fan, because remember an NFL game, it's three hours long. It's actually only 15 minutes of gameplay. hundred percent. Ba, take us home, baby. Yeah, folks, uh, there's going to be a new mustard coming out towards the end of the month with your movie reviews, everything else that goes on with cooler talk. And then, like we said, we're going to be back with another leaf episode coming soon, uh, from all of us here at the network. Thanks so much for listening. And, uh, fuck me, right? Peace. Holy skull.